Football is back and in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code FIGHTDISCIPLES to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code FIGHTDISCIPLES. The crown is yours. This, 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 is, 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 Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 780. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA review from the weekend just gone. Viva Mexico and all that. Bit of a celebration. We'll get you stuck into it. Uh, and if it's the first time or a regular time that you've come, but you're not a full-time subscriber, then come on, man. Get stuck in. Hit the button. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. If you're consuming it on Apple, Google, Spotify, just press subscribe and you'll never miss out on any of our MMA content. And you can also do it via YouTube. That's right. Fight Disciples on that platform. Please hit subscribe. You can comment, get involved in the show, stuff we, you agree with us on, get stuck in, stuff that you disagree with us on, get stuck in. We're a big community. We're all fight disciples. We've all got thought processes on things that happen at the weekend. And I'm pretty confident you're going to have a thought process of that main event and the scoring. Yes, there's got to be a lot of criteria uh, conversation on today's show. It's all coming up in a minute or so. All right, so make sure you stick around for it. Before we do, though, you will have heard at the start of the program, just before the show kicked off, uh, an advertisement for DraftKings, who have been talking uh, about NFL and the start of the new season, game week two. Finish Football, baby! I know you're going to think this is a bit weird, but I've got right into this, right? That's why I'm flagging it up right now, because I know that we have a lot of people that do listen to us, transatlantic people over in the States, uh, where we do come over to the United States for obviously UFC shows. It's great to see uh, a lot of American fans that do uh, tune in to fight That's disciples on, on a week-by-week week basis. It's great. Uh, but we also know that you love other sports too. And because of that and those conversations, I've started getting into the NFL like big time, proper, to the extent, my friend, where me and you have had conversations all the time about, right, who's your team and who's this and who's that. And when I was on honeymoon 12, 13 years ago, whatever it was, I went to Candlestick Park. So I watched San Francisco 49ers. And obviously I know they nice. don't play Candlestick Park anymore. So I've always said 49ers are my guys. 49ers are your guys because That's right. uh, uh, when, when you're I was born a kid, I think when I was born, yeah, they won it. And my dad... Um, Said you're a 49ers fan because they won it the Super Bowl the night you were born or something like that. So I've always been a 49ers fan. I've never been to San Francisco, never been to Candlestick Park, never met any famous 49ers players or anything. But that there you go, there you go. That's yeah. just your team. But it, team. our conversations then about NFL become semi because if we're both supporting the same side, there's no banter then, is there? True. So I decided I need to get myself a new team. And having a chat with a pal of mine, who's also this getting into is, it. This, why not? You do that with the football. You do that with British football anyway. Clubs you Tiger teams Woods, like, yeah, exactly. clubs than Tiger Woods. So <laughs> I decided, and this is uh, 
And I encourage, if you're not an NFL fan, if you're not into this whatsoever, this might be a good way of getting into it because the excitement factor for about 10 days before this thing arrived, okay. palpable, mate. Thinking about it every single day. Who's, who's it going to okay. be? So I went online. Have you ever seen them mystery boxes? Like uh, you can buy football shirts. Yeah, I've seen that. Exactly. I've seen that. And like you get like a fucking Sampdoria away shirt, and you're like, yes. Hey! Okay, yes. I've seen them. Yeah. Uh huh. So you got so you go online, you pay a set amount of money, um, and you order a mystery box. You've no idea what it is. You could you could go in and say, right, I want my mystery box to be NFL this season ah, jersey. Okay. So okay. Then so then it'll come in and it says, this, right, is, this good. is good. This is the price for this. Bosh. Uh, there you go. Uh, so I did that, mate. Ten days later, shirt arrives. We do an unveiling. Oh, <laughs> yes. Who did you get? I got. Where's I the shirt? Can I? You should have the shirt ready. I should have the. I should. Have, I should have done that. It's upstairs, mate. I've, I've dropped a fucking clanger here, Anna. Um, it is Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. I am. I am a, mate, they're all right. Uh, they lost the right. first game of the season. One last night. So I am now. All in on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That's it. They're my guys. <laughs> they sent me a nice little Josh Allen, number 17. They, uh, Buff- they, Buffalo Bills. They, they didn't. The NFL did. They no, didn't. No, no it, well, whatever the website was that I used for this. But yeah, I've got myself uh, a Buffalo Bills top, mate. So that's my team nice. now this year. Okay. I will be, uh, I'll be cheering for them. I like this. I like the sound of this. I might have a go. Yeah. My mate, uh... mate got an LA Chargers. So he, he's on LA Chargers. I'm on Buff- Buffalo Bills. All right, okay, that's not bad. Yeah, send me the link. I'm gonna have a go. What you gonna change your team? Yeah, fuck it. It's only it's only American football, and it's not real. (laughs) Sorry to offend everyone in America there, and (laughs) one of our sponsors there. Apologies for that, but yeah, it's not real, is it? It's like international football. It's just a bit of fun. So yeah, why not? I'll have a change with a bit of luck because I've watched quarterback. You see on it. Oh mate, how good is it? What a show. So with a bit of luck, I'll get a Kansas City and a Mahomes shirt. I'll be happy that's, with that. I'll take that all day, every take that to the you, bank, baby. Yeah, but if that's what you want, just go and buy a Kansas City shirt. If that's no, what you want, no, no, I can't do that. That that's basically like fucking. That's like you. That's put a Man City because they're good. You can't just right. do that. I, I'm quite happy to play the roulette wheel of NFL. The yeah. only thing is, I'll probably get a Buffalo Bills shirt as well because there's probably a oh. job lot of them at the NFL office. Yeah. <laughs> no one's buying Buffalo Bills shirts. The fucking Kansas City shirts are sold out. That's what it is. If you do it, if you did a Premier, if there's any fans in America and they do a Premier League drop bag, I bet you there's fucking hundreds of Americans getting Luton Town shirts now. Like, what yeah. the fuck is this? It's Jesus. like, do you know, like when you were a kid, you used to collect Panini stickers. Yeah. Yeah. You're always you always wanted Steve well, Stone, seventeen Steve yeah, Stone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Safe. <laughs> you, you were you were desperate to get John Barnes, or you were desperate <laughs> to get Alan Shearer, and they were only like one in a million packets of them ones. But Paul yeah, Telfer, oh, he was there every fucking oh, week, mate. Mate. Every... mate, I could have fucking wallpapered one of my balls with Steve Agrizovich fucking goalkeeper <laughs> fucking stickers. I know that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, not another one. Fuck oh, off, Jesus. <laughs> Oh my god! What did you anyway, call the silvery ones? Shinies. Shinies. Yeah. What do you call it? Yeah. I think shinies. Yeah, that sounds about right. Used to go to school with your swaps. Yeah, man. And then, and then the school bully would go fuck off and knock them everywhere, and kids would be like, "Spill it!" Ah! <laughs> Jumping on your swaps, hey! Ah! <laughs> oh, kids these days—they just don't know. They don't they just know, man. Don't know. Anyway. 
Anyway, I know that you've yeah. tuned in for MMA conversation. I just thought I'd sprinkle it in because I do know that we've got yeah. a bit of a crossover in fan bases with American sports. So if you are an NFL fan, let us know who your team is. Let's get all in on it, man. If you're not an NFL fan, get yourself a mystery box and come and join the fun. We'll have a bit of a crack with it. Do you have a basketball team, by the way? Because we both often wear basketball yes. jerseys. But I've got, a, like you, I've got three or four jerseys. Yes. Where's your allegiance? Uh, Toronto Raptors. Okay. Strange. And that, fa- no, no, family in uh, Toronto, Anna. So whenever I go over, I go to their games. So I've been to, uh, I've been to uh, several Toronto games. And they came over to the UK about three years ago. I went to go and watch them there as well. So yeah, I'm a, Tor- I'm a Raptors fan. Who's your team? Yeah, well... For Toronto, the only baseball game I ever went to, you could probably say my team's the Blue Jays because the only game I went to was when I was in Toronto. And it was the worst sport, like even worse than cricket. <laughs> I don't have a baseball fan. I'm not so I don't have a, I don't have a yeah, baseball team because it's the most diabolically go- boring <laughs> sport on the planet. It's probably not a sport. Like I don't associate cricket as being a sport. It's a hobby. You stop for sandwiches for fuck's sake. It's not real. <laughs> and I kind of think the same way about baseball. It's not real. We bought tickets for the baseball. It was in a sports bar. It was in an actual bar. And the back window of the bar was glass looking into the stadium. And in the bar, you could order wings and beers and there was a band on. And I'm That's like, your yeah, thing. I know, I know why. Because that's shit. So there better be some kind of entertainment at your seats because the game is so diabolically boring. That's baseball. Anyway, you're good looking. Apolo- apologies to baseball fans listening. We just lost half our audience now going, these yeah, cunts don't like baseball. Mate, everyone who watches baseball is a cunt. The um, stop basketball. insulting, mate. Last week, <laughs> this is another thing. Last week, you called everybody a gang of twats to, because they hadn't subscribed to the YouTube channel. Stop we get this doing for it. Free. We're not I don't care. Anything. Listen, Big, subscribe. Stop. Get your man's yeah, phone. Hit subscribe. That's all you got to do. Yeah, but there's, people are giving up their time. Treat people with some love and courtesy. You don't have to insult them to make them do something. If you're a baseball yeah. fan, that's cool, man. Enjoy your baseball, right? Ignore him. Anyway, go on. Yeah, who's, your, so who's, think, your, who's your basketball team? My basketball team traditionally would have been the Lakers just because I loved watching the Lakers and obviously there was the golden period. Then my favourite player of all time obviously played for Chicago Bulls. Certainly wasn't Michael Jordan, yeah. but he played for no, the you're Chicago You're a Rodman Bulls. man. You're and Rodman, Rodman all over. Because if I was a famous athlete, I've always said this. If I was a footballer, basketballer, if I was a sportsman at the top level, millions of dollars, millions of pounds, Premier League, whatever, see Dennis Rodman, that would be me. That's how I'd look. Covered in tattoos, earrings everywhere. Like, honestly, that's the road I'd go down. Gibral Cissé. I would be the Gibral Playboy Cissé. models. I'd be a scouse Gibral Cissé. Yeah, exactly. But the only game, uh, one of the first games I went to was when I was in Memphis, Years ago, I was covering Liverpool in pre-season when I worked at the Echo. And we went to Memphis and we got tickets to the Memphis Grizzlies game. And Paul, Paul Gasol, who went on, the Spanish internationally, went on to play for the Lakers. He was the main guy then in Memphis uh, playing for the Grizzlies. And I got one of his shirts. So I always got this like, soft spot for the Memphis Grizzlies as well. And that's when I met the logo. Told you that story, didn't I? I met the yeah. logo. Yeah. When the I was NBA logo. The, the NBA, NBA logo, logo, that's a player, that, and I met that guy. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I like basketball. I think basketball is probably my favourite American sport. But it's American sports, and it's not really real. It's a bit of fun. So, yeah, I'll, I'm quite washy with it. You know what I mean? If we go to if we go to New York, real. I'll it go to Brooklyn real. and buy a Brooklyn shirt and I'll support Brooklyn. But, that, but American fans are like that, aren't they? Because they, they don't have a lifetime allegiance with a team no. because the team picks up and fucks off to a different... Yeah. 
Never mind well, a different state, a different city. Well, my, my mate who got the Charger shirt is fuming that it's still not San Diego, you see. Right, because he's LA in now. San Diego. No, 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 no. He lives here. But he says right. he prefers San Diego as a place to go and visit than LA. So he's, <laughs> he's fuming. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, have a go with that. Send me the link. I'll, I'll have a go. I'll let me get a shirt and see what I hope you get like Las Vegas Raiders or something like that. That's me what too. I hope you get. Because there's a good chance we could go and see them when we're next in Legion. Las Vegas. So that'd be amazing. There you go. Anyway, there you go. You've had 10 minutes of NFL chat on your MMA show. Let's get stuck into some proper conversation, shall we? Um, because get your pens out, get your pads out. Let's get some criteria out. Let's talk about the unified rules. Um, for the sixth time in UFC championship history, we have a draw um, where Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko uh, played out a fantastic fight, man. It yep. was absolutely brilliant. And I know that yep. when you get um, a, a result that kind of dilutes the moment at the end, people can then obviously dog out on the fight. No, man, the fight was brilliant. It was absolutely mm. tremendous. Both girls brought it. I thought it was yep. high-level chess all the way through. You make a mistake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. And that's exactly what it was. I personally thought that four of the rounds are relatively easy to score. One of them's incredibly tight. I've no doubt... I say no doubt. I've no problem if you went this way and opposed to me. I can fully understand why you've done it. So that's why I have no problem with either of the girls having their hand raised. But we are obviously going to get stuck into a conversation about 10-8 rounds. Before, Great fight, we, man. before we knuckle down on the details and more importantly, knuckle down on a certain judge's scorecard there, um, coming away... Can you see a draw? Can you can you mathematically see a draw in your head? Do you think this fight could have been scored a draw from what you see from the twenty five minutes of action you've seen from your, you know, maybe leanings with your personal scorecard? Is a draw a safe outcome, feasible outcome? Um, the only way you can get to a draw for me is by scoring a ten eight. And therefore, no, I don't see a draw. I don't, I think, don't get me wrong. We encourage 10 eights. We want to see more of them. We want, if if there's a a wider gap in one particular round as opposed to another round, I want to see those rounds scored differently. We are big fans of that and we say it on the show all the time. But I genuinely believe that if you are going to score 10 eights, for one particular round, and I put this out on social media yesterday, then there is an argument that there is another round in these five that is also a 10-8. And you had a barometer. The barometer for me was there. You haven't chose to score that a 10-8, but you've then gone and scored a 10-8 further on in the fight. So the answer to your question, from my personal point of view, is no, I cannot see a draw. I can see a win either way, but not a draw. I can, listen... What you're alluding to is the 10-8 scored in a different round and not the fifth round. And that is the only way I can see this fight being a draw. I could sit and have a conversation with that judge if he'd have scored round three as a 10-8 round in favour of Shevchenko and scored the fight a draw. And the rest of his card matched up with the the way that works out mathematically. Then I'm here going, you know what? I didn't score it that way, but I can see it. 
Oh, but in fact, yes. I've come away and I've yes. looked at this and gone, there's no possible way the round you've scored to 10-8 is a 10-8 round when there was a much more one-sided round early in the fight that you didn't score a 10-8. And that's where the big controversy comes in. And that's why, for me, ultimately, this conversation, when it ends, there can only be one conclusion. That means they've got to go back and do it again. We've got to have a third fight straight away because that scorecard is unacceptable, in my opinion, by the laws of the unified rules, by this set of stone tablets laid down by the MMA gods of the Ten Commandments of how to score a fight. To score that last round 10-8 and not score to the third round 10-8 is a travesty. And it's bad officiating. I'll go that far. In fact, you're going back to your original question, Ben. The, my answer is actually yes, because I think round three is more of a 10 8 than round five. 100%. So if 100%. you do, so let's say you, if your barometer is round three is a 10 8, so you scored that, then yes, I can see then a draw because I, I personally wouldn't have had five a 10 8. So, yeah, in, in answer to your question, sorry, I was thinking of what he's actually done. So, for those that don't know, um, we've got um, a situation here where we've got one judge scoring it in favour of Grasso, one judge 48, scoring 47. it... 48-47. 48-47 the other way as well towards uh, Shevchenko. Uh, and then uh, Mike Bell has scored it 47 apiece. And the fifth round out of the out of the five phases that we've got he has opted to score that a 10-8 in favour of Alexa Grasso, which then pulls it uh, to 47-47. Um, I, like I said at the start of this, four of these rounds are relatively easy to score in, in favour of whoever you wish to score them in, in, in favour of. Um, two rounds apiece, in my, in my opinion, out, out, of the, out of those four rounds. You then look at the fourth round, which Bingo. is... Absolutely, the most difficult round to score in the whole fight. So let's just let's target that first and foremost before we come back to the 10 8 of how this is all played out. So, yeah. round number four to me, I'll be dead. Listen, I'll be honest, and I did this in the moment. I've gone back and watched it again to make sure I didn't miss anything. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, round number four, I've scored that to Valentina Shevchenko. Uh -huh. Now, the, re the reason why I've scored that to Valentina Shevchenko is because my understanding of the unified scoring criteria is that damage comes above everything else, all right? So when I'm scoring a fight, I'm thinking, right, who's caused the most damage? Now, if that is level, then, of course, we've got other criteria that we bring in in order to help then point us in the direction of which way we are going when we're scoring the round. Valentina Shevchenko, off the break of a clinch, lands an absolutely gigantic elbow right on the... Left-hand side of uh, Alexa Grasso's face, splits open her eye. Claret coming down her face, all right? Visible damage. There is also a moment in this round where Valentina Shevchenko lands a beautiful right hook of which stiffens the leg of, of Alexa Grasso. Again, visibly, I can see, woo, that stung you a bit, hasn't it? Now... I fully understand an argument that could come back my way where people say, well, hang on a minute. What about when uh, Alexa Grasso was kneeing Valentina Shevchenko in the Correct. head? Yes, yep. granted. See it? Absolutely. The damaging, just because the kid doesn't cut up, I get it. They're absolutely visible thudding shots to the cranium. And there's also a moment where Alexa Grasso, she has like a, a belly-to-back situation with uh, uh, Valentina, 
And it's not a takedown, it's a pick-up and slam-down, which is obviously a, 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 a scoring shot when we're talking about damage. Yeah. However, when so I take in all... Yes, when I take in all that information and I dump it down, the person for me that causes the most damage in the fourth round is Valentina Shevchenko. It's not a massive sway for me, but it's just about enough for me to go Valentina's round, round number four. So overall, when I finish scoring the fight, I have it 3-2 in favour of Valentina Shevchenko. We'll come back to 10 in a minute, but that's how I scored the fight. Yeah, so I'm guessing we've seen this, this, the same way. And as you say, we'll come back to the 10-8 conversation, but Valentina Shevchenko wins round number one. Just a little bit sharper, a little bit more accurate with a striking. She gets a nice, a nice body lock takedown in there as well. Round number one, quite clearly Shevchenko. Round number two goes to the way. Alexa Grasso uh, lands that big right hand. Shevchenko does an actual backwards roll to yeah. get back to her feet. That is absolutely the biggest thing of the fight. Shevchenko gets a takedown after that, but Grasso ends the round on her back with a with her body triangle, uh, fighting for a back and everything else. Clearly a Grasso round. Very easy round to score. Round three, the clearest round by a mile. A round will come back to Shevchenko's arguably best rounds of the fight. Complete dominance from back control, body triangle. Most of the rounds will come back to that. Round four, we give to I give to Grasso. It was quite clearly a Grasso round. We'll come back to the tenet. Round five, sorry. It quite clearly Grasso. We'll come back to that conversation. Three and five are your 10 eight, 10 eight potential conversation rounds. But round four, that's that's it. It's all about round four for me. Everything else is quite easy to score. Round four, I agree. Very close round. But I kind of broke it down in terms of damage and dominance, i.e. who's winning the largest percentage of that round. Okay. So... When I watched it live, I had a similar opinion. Then I went back last night and watched three, four, and five again. I needed to see three to compare it with five. And I wanted to see four again because, yeah. for me, that's the critical round. Sound. So in round number four, Shevchenko, she wins the first two minutes of round number four with that real sharp razor jab. A jab was so much better than it was in the first fight. In fact, where Grasso's jab, probably one of the first fights, Shevchenko's jab, for me, was the dominant stand-up strike from both girls throughout this entire fight. Her jab was so sharp. That led the dance for two minutes. Then after about two-minute mark, uh, she shoots for a takedown, and Grasso stuffs it, and stuffs it right in the centre of the octagon. And as Shevchenko tries to come back to her feet, she's dragging her hand on the floor, and Grasso's just following her, throwing those knees. And you're like, wow, okay, that's the, bi that's the big moment now. Your knees... Are really damaging her. She forces it up against the fence. She ends up taking her back and slamming her down. But as she takes her down, she goes for like an arm bar or a, yeah. a triangle or something. And yeah, she yeah. completely loses the position. She ends up on bottom and Shevchenko ends up on top. Now there's about 90 seconds to go at this point. So you've had two minutes of Shevchenko winning the, the stand up. Then you have a 90 second spell where she's got these power knees. She's taken it down, but she's lost the position. And then you've got 90 seconds left on the clock, which Shevchenko once again starts leading the dance. She takes the back. She gets a nice takedown with 30 seconds to go. Um, and there's it's all Shevchenko until about 10 seconds when she's trying to fight for something. She slips around, and the round ends with Grasso grabbing her ankle and trying to do some kind yeah. of ankle lock. And Shevchenko's yeah. literally sitting there just looking at her. 
And, you know, so you don't really score that. And for me, as close as the round was, you could argue the big moments was the knees. But how much trouble did the knee damage did the knees actually cause when Shevchenko was moving backwards against snapping head back with the jab against the big takedown, the dominance of the back control. So I actually scored it marginally in favor of Valentina Shevchenko just on volume. Again, the eye-catching moments, Grasso. But for three and a half minutes of that round, Valentina Shevchenko was leading the dance. So I went with Shevchenko in fourth round. So probably similar to you, I scored the fight overall, 48-47 in favor of Valentina Shevchenko. I think she should have got a belt back. I agree. I completely agree. That's exactly how I scored it. But we do have now this talking point about what constitutes a 10-8 round. Which I love. Well, I love 10-8 rounds. Absolutely. For dominance. Mate. If you cause damage and dominance for the entire five minutes, if there's clearly only one person in it and you're pushing and you're hitting your opponent, it's got to be a 10-8 round. But let's compare three and five then because I think three is a potential 10-8 round. Five for me doesn't even register as a 10-8 round. It's not even in the conversation. Round number three is more of a 10-8 for me than round number five. Yeah, I hate to agree with you, but yeah. Um, and, that, and that is what is confusing about this because Mike Bell is a phenomenal, phenomenal judge. Very rarely gets it wrong. So he's got a barometer. And I know that we're not supposed to do that, are we? We, we say all the time, five individual fights, ladies and gentlemen, and it is, it absolutely is five individual fights. But you can't take away the emotion and connection of what you've already seen that has come before it. You've seen round number three play out. Yeah. And you've decided, okay, round number three is a 10-9. We all agree you won the round, but how much did she win the round by? Valentina, 10-9. If you've gone there, you've, you've kind of set your barometer for what a 10-8 is. There's no way that round number five is a wider... Bar- it, it just doesn't break that. It just does not break that. Now, I know there's a moment there where Valentina in round number five, she is turtled up a little bit and she is taking those shots as she's trying to figure herself out and get herself back. There's a lot of stuff that does go unanswered. Yeah. But she eventually does answer it. She eventually does get herself back together and get get herself back in the fight um, to some extent. Don't get me wrong. Alexa Grasso wins the round. There's no doubt. We're not even arguing that that happens. No. But does she win it 10-8? If... If you're going to score it a 10-8, and I'm not going to be offended if you have scored it a 10-8, you have to score round number three a 10-8 the other way. Yeah. It has to be because it's it, the, the, the margin is wider. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, before I come into my breakdown, I just want to t- jump on a tweet here that was sent to us uh, this morning from Phil Woodford. Phil's a fight disciple. Morning, Phil. Phil says, um, guys, reason to talk about the UFC scoring system this week. How about... Instead of being more lenient with the 10-8, judges must award a 0.5 point to the round in which the judges perceive to be the clearest one of the lot. Now, what Phil's suggesting there is in every title fight, I'm guessing he's talking about title fights, one of the rounds has to be 10-8.5. The problem you've got there, Phil, is rather like boxing. A judge doesn't get to tot up their own scores at the end of, and then at the end of the fight, go, "There's my score for the fight." At the end of each round, he yeah. is asked by the referee, "Give me your scorecard, ten nine either way." Let's say yeah. for a basic round, 
And then he takes that away and they give it to a fourth official. And the fourth official is the one that tallies up all the scores individually. That's so judges can't go back and change cards. Now, I guess what you're suggesting there, it's in the live moments. Well, in the live moments, if you're not given the 0.5 for round number three, then you shouldn't be giving it for round five. We're in the very same situation, to be honest yeah. with you. Unless it was at the end of the fight, you go, right, there's my fifth. There's my score for the fifth and the most dominant round. There's my blue ticket. Give that to Shevchenko round three. Again, we're complicating things here. We're just making it a little bit, a little bit more convoluted, in my opinion. I went back and watched three, four, and five again last night. As I say, once everyone was in bed, I got a fucking pen and paper out and I went, right, these are the rounds. I need to compare three with five. I need to rescore four. I rescored four the same way I scored it first thing Sunday morning. Shevchenko narrowly wins round number four. Round number three and round number five. So in round number five, let's say this is the 10 8 score that was awarded to Alexa Grasso. Clock watching that, right? Shevchenko is winning that round. Yeah. On the stand-up for three and a half minutes. For three and a half minutes, <clears throat> everyone comes. DC, Dominic Cruz. Oh, the champs turned up now. This is what the champion does. This is what champ real champions do. When the going gets tough, when it's 2-2, when it matters most, she's winning the stand-up battle. She's doing fantastic. Three, th three minutes and 30 seconds that goes for almost to the clock. Mm -hmm. And then, next thing you know, Grasso gets her body triangle locked in. She takes control of her back. And for the final 90 seconds of the round, it's all Grasso. She's got Valentina body triangle. She's throwing punches around here. She's really pushing for rear naked choke. She ends the round with a bit of a neck crank again. Utter dominance. She wins the round because in those 90 seconds, she does way more damage than Valentina did winning the round for three minutes, 30 seconds. No qualms there. But there was no real submission finished threat and even though she's taken damage valentina there's no point where the referee's about to step in it wasn't Correct. that critical a moment it wasn't that dominance now let's go back to round number three round number three you've got shevchenko again winning the stand-up mostly off that jab she's doing well for 90 seconds they stood up and shevchenko was edging it for 90 seconds then she gets the takedown after 90 seconds and for the next three and a half minutes, she's got Grasso in her body triangle. She's got a mount of guillotine early on. It's in incredibly deep. The corners yep. are like, it's done. If you remember, it starts with the mount of guillotine, sorry. Yeah. She's got it locked in the corner. She's going to tap any second. And for me, it's a little bit of a Volkanovsky Ortega. How yep. the fuck is Grasso breathing? Because it's in and it's in deep. And it's a good 30, 40 seconds it's in for. And in the end, they're like, my God, how Grasso is staying so calm, relaxed, testament to her. At some point, either Shevchenko is going to burn her arms out. And in the end, Shevchenko has to let go so she doesn't burn her arms out. But that is a deep submission, a fight-ending scenario. It's only Grasso's fucking, the stones on her that keeps her in it. But then Shevchenko switches that to a body triangle and basically has a locked in a body triangle for the final three minutes of that round. It's utterly dominant because there's nothing Grasso can do except do this every now and again. That's not educated offense. That's just survival. Now, what I will say is for those three minutes, Shevchenko is on her back. Yes, she's throwing some punches in. Yes, she's trying to move for submissions, get arms under chins and stuff like that. She doesn't hate Grasso enough. When she's got it in the body triangle, throwing those punches for me to go definitely a 10-8. Grasso's just doing enough 
with these shots over the shoulder, with trying to wriggle out and push her hips around. She's as much in defense of the position, Shevchenko, as she's in an offensive position by, I've got you locked in a body triangle. Compared to the body triangle offense that Grasso has in the last round, but it's only for 90 seconds, she causes way more damage than Valentina did for three minutes in exactly the same position. So for that reason, I didn't want to do a 10-8 for round number three either. But when you compare them both, damage and duration, they're the the Ds that we're looking for most. Three is more of a 10-8 round than five, clearly, in my opinion. And that's what makes this final scorecard so alarming. That's why Mike Bell's scorecard of 10-8 in favor of Grasso does not reflect what happened earlier on in the fight. And that's what makes it so unusual. And that's Mm -hmm. why we're talking about it at the length we are. Because it shouldn't have happened. It's a bad card. It's a bad score. It is. And that comes back to what you said a moment or two ago. Because I was all for getting on the train today and saying, Aaron Blanchfield, now's your time, kid. Go and be the youngest champion. Manon Fioro. Brilliant performance last time out. Now's your chance, kid. Let's get in there and go and do your thing, you know? You've got to go again. You've got because, to. Like, 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 it's irrelevant me thinking Shevchenko won because I don't have a, I'm not offended massively if someone's gone grass off fourth round yeah. because it is tight. It's very, very exactly. tight. So That's what I was saying earlier about it being a draw. Because I've got, if you're giving Shevchenko 10-8 in round three, okay, just made a good argument. I think it's a bit heavy, but I can see that more than the ten, more than the ten eight in the last. So you yeah. give Shevchenko round one, you give Grasso two, you give Shevchenko a ten eight in three. But yeah. I can see how you've scored Grasso four and five. There's yeah. your draw. Yeah, got you. Yeah, they've got to go again. There He's is no other. To. I know, I know, you... I know. The girls, the other girls, don't want to wear this, but just because of the way that this is played out, it, they have to. Because you know what I've convinced of now as well. You know, we mentioned it last week and we were like, will Lightning strike twice? Can Grasso produce that before? Nah, man. Let's throw that out with the dishwater yeah, and the and everything she's else. very good. She's as good as Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, We've I got, agree. For me, these are the two best flyweights on the planet. I, I think agree. Valentina's sharper, but Grasso's stronger. Whenever they were in the clinch, it was Grasso, Manandel and Shevchenko. We've never seen that before. Whenever Grasso did land that jab, and again, I thought Valentina's jab one of the fights, just like Grasso's jab did the first fight. But when Grasso did manage to land the jab, it fucking wobbled Shevchenko more than the other way around. So mm. I think the strength and the power is with Grasso. I think the technique is with Shevchenko. But these are the two best flyweights on the planet. And I'm still not convinced. I'm not convinced Grasso was better than Shevchenko. And I'm not convinced Shevchenko is necessarily better than Grasso. They've got to go again. And you know what, Adam? You've just said it there yourself. We've got a perfect fucking eliminator fight anyway with two girls that I would argue maybe aren't quite ready and could do with another win in the UFC. Do Blanchfield versus Fioro, co-main event, bang this on as main event, sign me the fuck up. Yeah, it feels like we've got a bit of a Moreno-Figueredo thing starting yeah. to brew between these two, don't it? Yeah. I would love it. Do it. Do it again. Controversy always brings a bit of cash, doesn't it? You know what I mean? And it is controversial because that round number five is definitely not a 10-8. No problem scoring it in favour of, uh, of Grasso if you've, if you've decided that she won the fight overall, three rounds to two. No problem with that whatsoever. It's the case that that round there... It's not a 10-8. It's not a 10-8 and it has, caused, uh, it has caused this conversation. 
Um, slightly disappointed, if I'm honest, mate, with the core main event. I had I built this thing up in my head of of how this fight was going to be and and how we were going to sit here there going going crazy about something today. Um, I'm disappointed. The fight just didn't deliver. It it was it was okay. Maybe I built it up too much in my head. I don't know. Maybe other people have got a different take on it. But for me, uh, Jack Delamadeline and getting himself uh, a split decision. Kevin Holland's only got himself to blame. He didn't really do out. He didn't go for it. He didn't put his foot down at any point and do Kevin Holland stuff. It, it was kind of like watching a spa is mm-hmm. what it was like. It didn't really catch fire. I thought Jack was good for particular pockets of it and, and probably warranted getting his, his hand raised in, in the moment. Um, but Kevin's only got himself to blame. He was never really under any duress. Neither was Jack, really. Nobody was really in any trouble at any particular point. It was just one of them, we're doing this in second gear. Don't want to take too many risks. And that's kind of the story of the fight for me. Yeah, it was basically a boxing match in a in an MMA, in an octagon. And there was, listen, they both threw some leg kicks as well, don't get me wrong, but not with any kind of venom. Jack Della Madeleine will box with anybody. If you let him just stand and box away, he's in his he's in the groove and his combination punching's really good. He moves forward and throws punches at the same time, really good. He closes the distance really well. But he was able to do this in third gear. He was able to do this in his zone. I think there was one shot for a takedown from, from Kevin Holland midway through the second round, which Jack completely and utterly stuffed perfectly. But I was like, Kevin really didn't give him much else to think about. And I know he's an unorthodox striker, Kevin Holland, and you know it, this is kind of his wheelhouse as well. But there's a mo- there's a a clear thing with Jack Della Madalena is a very good boxer, outstanding boxer, maybe one of the best boxers in the UFC period. So you don't box with him. You remember me fighting? You know, try and take him out of his comfort zone, take him to places not been before. We've seen that in his last fight that he's hardly immortal. You know, Basil pushed him to the wire. Basil gave him a proper fight. Kevin Holland, for me, just didn't give him a proper fight. And that's so disappointing because Kevin Holland now surrenders his higher ranking in the welterweight division. Mm. It's another loss on his record that he could have ill-afforded. I know he's a fan favourite and I know he's the modern-day cowboy Cerrone and we all love him. But, it, you know, if Kevin Holland gets to the end of his career and never even gets a sniff of a title shot with the talent that he's got, with the ability that he's got in every department, I think Kevin Holland... Should you know? I know in the aftermath, well, in the in the build-up, in fact, he had a go at the media, didn't he? He was like, "What do you care about the belt for? I don't care about the belt. You're the one that cares about the belt. It's all about me ranking, moving me here. How do I get a title shot? I don't give a damn." And I, okay, I believe that. I believe that to an extent. You don't care about the belt, but I also believe to an extent that you want to win. You want to be all you can be. You want, mm. You're not doing all this work just to get a paycheck and then, oh yeah, ring me when the next one's up, boys. You want to succeed. You want to be, define a legacy and go down as a champion. You want to be, you don't want to leave anything on the table. And at the moment, certainly in that fight, I think Kevin Holland left a lot on the table. He kind of fought Jack Dalla Madalena's fight. And a sparring partner is a great shout, man. It did look like a bit, a bit like a spar. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know it was a split decision. I, I don't know how. I, I thought it was quite clear. I thought Jack Dalla won. 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 You know, I, I couldn't have scored that fight in favour of Kevin Holland. I'm sorry. Weird one. I'm also, yeah, I was also disappointed with the post-fight interview with Jack. I know that the fans were reacting at the time and they were booing and they were doing whatever they were doing. But again, when a, when a commentator, DC teed it up. He said, what do you want to do next, man? You broke, you broke top 10 now. What do you want to do next? Not that bothered, mate. 
No, what they do, mate? It's it's there. They've led the table. Go meet some. Say a name. Doesn't just a name. All he should have done, really, is gone. I love that Ian Gary fella. Yep. What a hype around Ian Gary right now. He's doing real well, isn't he? Everybody's high on his Neil Magnick uh, performance. Yeah. Bring me him. I'll show you what. I'll show you how to box. Yeah. The only headlines I seen in the aftermath were Kevin Holland saying, "Put me in with Neil Magny, lose the shaves our head." Yeah. I'm like, how, how has Kevin Holland come out of that fight with a loss and he's the one making all the headlines <laughs> about who he's fighting next? He's the one setting up his next fight. And <clears throat> listen, we, we, we had the pleasure of Jack's company, didn't we, for, yeah, for an hour guy. or so on the top but of the double-decker bus in Vegas business, and we man. were chatting to him. But, you know, I, I was quite surprised how quiet he was. I was quite surprised how shy and introverted he was. And I'm not going to be wrong when he's with his friends and his family and all that. Maybe he's a different animal. But around us... Uh, Again, I think I've mentioned this before. Me, you, and Bispin are quite big personalities. So, you know, it doesn't take a lot to be kind of quiet in the corner. But you do this sport because you're destined to do it, because you're born to do it. Because in people like Sean Strickland's case, if you didn't do it, you'd be in fucking jail or worse. But you've got to understand what this sport is. You've got to understand how fight sports works. If you're going to be a professional prize fighter, You've got to have some understanding about how the business works. Yeah. Look at Charlie Campbell, second on the fucking prelims, gets a win after losing on his UFC debut. DC's interviewing him, takes the mic off DC, yeah. comes out with some big crazy wrestling shout. Hey, mate, he did the rock. I don't give a damn rock. what you think of me and all that he kind did. of stuff. Mate, he did the Mega rock. Man. Kid went viral. No one knew who he was prior to this fight. No one probably would have known in the aftermath that he'd even won by knockout because a lot of people aren't tuning in for the early prelims, which are on Fight Pass, not even on t- you know TV shows and everything else. And yet he's gone viral by a little bit of fun, sticking it to DC. Yeah. Boom. I'm here now. DC loved it. DC yeah, was pissing himself, wasn't he? He did. But Jack Madalena's just beat a top 10 ranked welterweight, a guy ranked above him, top 10, fringe top 10. Biggest win of his career in the UFC. And nothing. His opponent's making headlines. The kid off the curtain jerk is making headlines. No one's talking about Jack Della Maddalena. He needs to understand. And it might not be in his personality. I had this years, for years with Sass and with, with uh, Terry Etim. Just real shy guys that want to let the fight and do the talking. I get it, man. I get it. If you want to end your career with any money in the bank, if you want to make any kind of inroads in this industry, if you want the UFC to make you a main event, to push you to pay-per-view points and everything else, you've got to have a plan. And that doesn't mean being fake. That doesn't mean by doing, you know, rock impressions or anything like that. But you've got to have a plan. You can't just aimlessly go into a fight and then go, yeah, well, I'll fight you with it. Have a plan. If it isn't Ian Gary, then it's someone else. Yeah. It's a Gilbert Burns, or it's this guy, or it's a Neil. Like Kevin yeah, Holland just made a fight with Neil Magny. Neil Magny's ranked above Kevin Holland and Jack Della Maddalena. Why is Jack Maddalena not calling out Ian Mag- Neil Magny? Yeah, strange man. It baffles me that these people with so much talent and they just don't understand how prize fighting works. Have a name, have a moment, even say. Listen, man, there's a show in such and such in a few weeks. Get me on that. I've always wanted to go there. I've always wanted to be there. Or such and such is fighting in a card in November, Madison Square Garden. I'm the world's biggest John Jones fan. Get me on the undercard UFC. Just do something. Generate something. 
force a conversation in a direction to just go, okay, yeah, well, you know, give me a ring when something comes up, eh? Come on, man. You can do better than that, Jack. Jesus Christ. Shame, because like you say, he's a tremendous fighter. It'd be interesting to see where the UFC uh, are going to put him next. And that's how it's going to be. The UFC are going to dictate his career. He should be dictating it himself. Correct. Um, listen, he's got good people around him. I'm sure that they'll work on that and point him in the right direction. Uh, and one person that is going in the right direction, yes, he came under criticism last time. Unfairly. He's a baby. He's only fucking 18 years of age. He's just learning his, uh, his vibe, isn't he? But he proved that he's got something about him. He went into that octagon, big pressure on his shoulders. Loads of Mexican fans wanting to see Raul Rosas Jr. do his thing. And man's got hands. What? <laughs> he's obviously been on the graft, hasn't he? He's been on the weights. He's been, he's been doing a bit of graft, working on his, uh, his hands. And okay, Terence Mitchell isn't necessarily the greatest striker on the planet, as we kind of highlighted in the preview last week. We get that. And we, we understand that... Fans will, will always be super critical. Ah, it's a gimme opponent. No, man, listen. It's an 18-year-old lad. An eight. Think about it. What were you doing at 18 years of age? I just found out what my dick were for at 18 years of age, man. Come on, let's be fucking straight about it. 18 years of age, 20,000 fans, T-Mobile Arena, millions of fans around the world watching you fight. Think mm -hmm. about that. He rocked up after just being beaten last time out. And he showed that he's got something. I don't know what it is yet because it's got a long way to go. Long yeah. way to go. But he's got something in here. Fair play to the kid. Yeah. He's knocking out people on television at 18 <laughs> years of age. Well done, Raul Rosses Jr. The, the, in the preview, we said these are two guys that favour submissions and that's their, that's their comfort zone. And it'll probably end up playing out as a kickboxing match. But for Rosas Jr., who, who suffered the first defeat of his career last time out, um, took a lot of criticism off the back of it. Some of it deserved, and some of it, Jesus Christ, he's a kid, he's a teenager. Give him, give him a bit of breathing space. But as you say, what impressed me most was the mentality of him. It was that mentality of this is Mexican Independence Day. This is a big moment for me, big moment for my career. People are asking questions now. People are asking questions whether I should even be at this level of the game. I'm going to answer those questions. And it, when you've got the the solid ground game that he's got, it does give you a certain level of freedom on the feet yeah. that if you miss, if someone closes the difference, someone shoots a takedown while you're throwing a right hand, Sam, man, take me down. That's where I want to be anyway. So it does give you a certain level of freedom. Obviously, the danger there is that you go in with a striker, you get wild, you get chinned. But Mitchell wasn't a striker. So Rosas Jr. and his team have obviously gone, you know what? This guy wants to grapple. We want to grapple. So let's get these hands going because he's going to be looking to shoot. He thinks we're looking to shoot. But every fight starts on its feet. Let's touch him up a little bit and let's let him feel something. And as soon as he hit Mitchell with that first shot and he got the big reaction, that was it then. It was like, wow. Ross Ass Jr. really impressed me. Put his shots together really well. He was clinical. He was happy in the pocket. There was no desperation there. Often with grapplers, they land a big shot or two, wobble the guy, and it's like, boop, revert to type, drop level, shoot for the takedown. He didn't do that. He wanted his moments. He wanted his knockouts, and he got it, and he got it in style, man. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. And I know people had a little pop-up me the other week when I was critical of him, saying that he got exposed and blah, blah, blah. He did. I stand by. He did get exposed. Yeah. But right now, he's just answered it in the perfect way. 
he's gone, okay, got a hold on my game, have I? Okay, watch this, kids. And he's just turned up and fucking scored a knockout in the first round, in the first minute, in a fight that I was happy with. I was like, good bit of matchmaking this. Let's see what yeah. the kid's all about. I know what he's all about now. I know what he's all about. He wants to yeah. be here. Uh, he wants the work to be here. Uh, and he's going to succeed here as well. Good for him. Absolutely, mate. And it's going to be one of the... People are going to come at us, you know, when we're talking about matchmaking and all that. This is... This, you've got to treat every situation individually. This situation, I can see this now being a, maybe an extended version of what they did with Sean O'Malley. Just an extended version of it. Just matchups that you think to, you can shine here. You might get beat, it's yeah. UFC, but you can shine in this particular matchup. So let's go. Boom, 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 boom. And there'll be a few of them along the way before we see anything of any real note where we're thinking, fucking hell, they've bitten off more than they can chew here. Yeah. Two, three years yet of uh, Raul Rosas Jr. doing his thing. Fair play Wait, for that. keeps them. doing that, sound. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All in. Um, when I look at the best of the rest of this card, I can't get away from looking at Roman Kopolov, man. Mate, I can't me. get away. Fuck He's the guy. Roman's Mate, the guy. The thing is about it, he bounced into the UFC and he lost back to back straight away. And you think he did, oh, we all, we all heard the hype. Okay, maybe it's a little bit of a step too far for him. But he's gone away. He's put some serious work in. He's changed his team. Obviously, he's getting a new look from his team. They're saying, okay, well, these are your strengths, pal. So let's do this, this, and this, yeah? And now he's got four knockout victories on the spin. There's only Pavlovich, active fighter right now, that's got um, more knockout consecutive victories on the spin than this fella. He looks like uh, he's well, he looks a bit, well, he looks yeah, yeah, he looks like Chase Super on Steads, doesn't he? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what he that's what he looks like. I'm not saying that he is, of course. But he's 32 years of age now. Mate, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with him because it's not this is different to what we've just been saying about Raul Rosses Jr. It's not a builder builder uh, moment. He's making some big big noise at 185. He looked brilliant. Some of them kicks to the body are just brutal. He, he can, every time he lands, it's just thudding. It's like concrete hitting something. He's a double hard bastard, and he's very, very good at what he's doing, Roman Kopolov. I can't wait to see what they do with him, mate. Yeah, uh, listen, he's had three fights this year, and he's, he's looked sensational in all three of them. And that's the busiest, busiest he's been since he came into the UFC. I'm hoping they can manage to get him out again by the end of the year. I'd love to see him on that Las Vegas show in December. Um, just because he's such, he's so exciting to watch, and he and he's, with all due respect to everyone he's fought in the last year, no one's touching him, no, no one's pushing him. He's just smashing people to bits. Josh Friend at the weekend just got a proper fucking hiding, a proper hiding for two rounds. By the end of, the, by the time the, the stoppage came around, you were almost hoping for a mercy stoppage anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just getting battered. You know, it was there was just blood or claret all over his face. Kopolov was just going right through his his his, his copybook of, of tricks. You know, everything he wanted to do come off. Everything he threw come off. He couldn't miss. And then the finish when it came, he hit him with that left body kick. Freund's fucking rib cage nearly came out of his arsehole. He managed to soldier on, but he was that his hands came right down then. Yeah, mate. And you're like, oh my god. Then he threw a bit of a head kick. I think it was a right hand. But he started booting his arm. He started so kicking friend, his arm. I think he's broke his arm arms, as well at the same time. His arms yeah. come back up again. <laughs> and then next thing you know, it was just a little drop shoulder, Ricky Atten style, and a lovely big looping long left hook to the body. 
right on the spot where the kick had just landed moments ago. So just as his ribs kind of come settling back into position, he takes a massive left up to them as well. And obviously, friend at that point was just like, mate, here's me soul. Get it out my body. I've, I've got no interest in spending another second inside this octagon with this absolute killer. And that's what Kopolov looks like at the moment. And there can be no more denying this kid is a superstar and we've got to get him in a ranking position. I'd like to see the, as I say, December, Las Vegas, Chris Curtis, someone fringed, someone in the top 10, top 15. Strike Chris it. Curtis comes to yeah, fight. Make a, striker yeah, make versus striker. striker. Yeah, perfect. Andre Muniz, maybe. You know, someone someone like that. I think that makes sense right now up at, uh, in the, in, to get him a ranking. Uh, but yeah, if he's not your fa- one of your favorite fighters coming through, then man, do you even MMA? Jesus Christ, this is the guy. Um, we spoke, we started the show talking about judging. Um, and obviously, it, it would be lovely to hear from a judge to come out publicly, <clears throat> wouldn't it? And then justify the scorecards. And I'm sure Mike Bell could come to us and he said, Well, this is what I saw. This is this is why I've got a 10 8 because he's got a history of fantastic scorecards. But I also think that maybe we need to start hearing it a little bit as well from referees. Uh, because because Chris Tonyoni's had an absolute shocker here. Let's be dead straight. Uh, in the Edgar Cherez versus uh, Daniel Lacerda fight, um, there's a botched submission stoppage. Now, obviously, we're in a good situation where we've got video uh, VAR. I know that we hate VAR in football, but here at, in Las Vegas, you can obviously you've got video replay, uh, and therefore, quite immediately, the submission. Uh, finish has been overturned to, uh, to to no contest, which is great because that's exactly what it was. Tonyoni, listen, Matt, I think it's made worse because he has got a bit of a history of some of these things. And I think Dominic Cruz, when he was on uh, comms, kind of highlighted it. And I said it was happening. He was like, don't I've... stop it. He's going to stop it. He doesn't know what he's watching and he's going to stop this. Watch. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, he's going to, oh my God. And he actually does exactly what Cruz, Cruz, Cruz is like. Said. He doesn't know what he's seeing. He doesn't grapple. He doesn't understand grappling side of the sport. He'll think this is a stoppage. This referee's going to stop this fight. And you're like, oh my God, he is as well. Jesus Christ. And he it was did. embarrassing. But there's got to be repercussions for it because Tonyone, three fights later, is back in the octagon, calling another fight higher up the card with more significance on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. When you're watching it on TV, it looked bad. Yeah, but there is a, there's a slight moment, isn't there, where he's in and around it. He's asking, he's he's trying to he's asking questions, obviously, and there's a slight moment where his arm does dip, right? He drops it. He drops it by his side. Yes, and maybe in the heat, I'm trying to make an excuse, right? It may be trying to in the heat Visual, you think, visually in that moment. You can think, oh, oh, he's gone. Oh God, is he out? Yeah. But you check it. You pick the arm back up. You check it. That I'm sure, or you ask the question. You don't just jump in because the it's not like it's a, a, a traditional submission uh, position. Yeah, all right. We've seen standing guillotines before. Of course we have. But you you check dot eyes cross t's. There's big significance on this because what happens here for both of these fighters, right? Neither of them get a win bonus. Yeah, exactly. Neither of them. You know, we're not talking at this. Um, placing on the on the card, all right. They might be getting paid okay, though. They might be what twenties, maybe 
early teens when it comes to the the show fee. You get your win bonus on top of that. You never know. You might have denied them for a, from a show stopping moment, which gets them a fifty G bonus as well. Nobody. Oh, it's just a mess, man. It's a mess. But there's got to be. What well, my point is, there's got to be repercussions. Yeah. You can't just then say, well, Chris Tony just cracks on. He's he's back to work in three fights. Three fights time. Now, nah, mate. Whoa, 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 whoa. You you're you're off. You're not a star. You're not doing the UFC next time. You've got to go and prove to us that you're back up to standard before you come back and, and rock and roll with us. That's my t- thought on it anyway. I thought it, uh, there's got to be repercussions for, for poor officiating. Yeah, I think in the... I think in a lot of ways, when, when you're looking at referees in these instances, and maybe you could open up to judges as well, who are working on mixed martial arts at this level, at the UFC level, there's got to be some level of them rolling, not necessarily to compete. Most do. They've got to be on jujitsu mats. They've got to be training on jujitsu mats regularly. They've got to have spent a period of time competing in striking sport, not necessarily competing, sorry, training in striking sports, wrestling, grappling, jujitsu, submission, submission fighting. There's got to be hands-on experience of those sports to have a true knowledge of what you're watching and that was what made it a million times worse had he had the commentary not been on had the commentary not really picked up on it and the referee chris tanyoni had made that decision and stopped that fight without the narration of dominic cruz i think a lot of fans at home may have gone good stoppage that Good stoppage. His arm went dead. He must have been out. Oh, oh shit! He's awake. Oh, oh god! His arm did drop though. Why? Why did he drop his arm? He should have. He should have let the referee know. I think it was a really good point that they were picking up on both DC and Dominic Cruz that it shouldn't be the fighter's job to acknowledge to a referee. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm all right. And constantly keep having to do it. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm still fine. Like we see it a lot. We see it with Darren Till. If he's being fight. asked, if he's being asked, he has to respond. Of course. But if you've been asked and you've responded, yeah, there should be a period of time before you have to ask before you have to respond again. Correct. Because with all due respect to communicate with the referee, you've got bigger yeah. fish to fry. <laughs> You're trying to get this fucking He's taking me fucking head off here. I'm I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm staying in it. Yeah, yeah. I so get you're gonna be constantly like, I'm trying to fight him, I'm trying to fight him. Oh shit, yeah, I'm all right, ref. Now you've let go of the fucking you know what I mean? There's gotta be a situation where the referee's knowledge of that submission, that's what they were highlighting. It's a really difficult submission to finish up against the fence like that. Yeah. And more importantly, the defense of it is to kind of go limp because it takes the pressure off. It stops you fighting against it and you're waiting for the arms to burn out. That was what they were kind of highlighting. Now, if the referee had the same knowledge as Dominic Cruz in this instance, he doesn't stop the fight because he's aware, yeah, to get out of that, you've got to basically go limp. I get it. I'm going to give him a break and give it 10 seconds. And then I'll check the arm. Just a little feel of the arm. Yeah, make sure there's still straight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm, you're fine. But it's the fact that as soon as the arm went limp, which is the defense move, according to Dominic Cruz, that's when the referee stopped, stepped in. But again, it was turned up to the max because throughout the entire situation, Dominic Cruz is going, the referee's going to stop this because he doesn't know what he's looking at. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. And then the referee stopped it. And as soon as he let go, uh, Chavez, obviously, Lacerda's like, what the fuck are you doing? That's how you get out of it. What have you stopped it for? 
There was not like a, he wasn't even like dazed or whatever. He was like, yeah. what, are we, what are you doing? I was like, oh my God. I, I was shocked that Tanyoni worked again that night. I've got to be honest with you. You know, if, if there was ever an incident where a referee should be pulled for the rest of the night, that was it. Because imagine if he'd have stopped the fight prematurely again. Oh, mate. Do you know what I mean? Then he then does he ever work for the organization again? You know, it, then you're starting to go, wait, who are these fucking people? Well, not, not even that. Big fights? Not even that, right? Because my take on it is there is obviously what you're saying, but let's say Tonyoni, right? He goes in the back, he's got three fights off now, goes on social media. And everybody's blasting the fucking living daylights out of him. Like, blasting him. He, he, yeah. he hears what Dominic Clueless Cruz... shouldn't be there, blah, blah, blah. Right. Re- reads what Dominic Cruz is doing. Right. You're back on in three fights. He goes on in three fights. Now that's in his head. Yeah, good what if he? What if he lets it go too long? Yeah. And some fucker gets Spend really hurt. Yeah, true. He, he should have been, been pulled, man. Yeah. He should have been pulled. Because... That is going to affect someone's judgment then going forward because he's going to go in there and he's going to think to himself, right, yeah, I fucked up last time, right? Don't fuck up, don't fuck up. And he's just watching someone get shellacked on. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, 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 just leave it, leave it. Then someone gets, nah, man, he should have been, he should have been hacked, definitely. Yeah, yeah. They'll anyway. probably run it back. They should run it back. Oh, yeah, yeah, but again, those lads, somebody's lost that, all that money on the camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly that. True Anything that. else you want to highlight from Viva Mexico? Uh, Deanna Condacote submission by Zell Huber, also on the main card. Always cool to see an Anaconda. Cool as Spock, got himself a 50G bonus as well. But, mate, it was a great card. The atmosphere was incredible. The Mexican yeah, fans good. turned out in force. Judging by the way they were talking about it, this is the first. They were saying this is the inaugural Noche UFC. So it sounds like the UFC have gone right. September 16th in Las Vegas. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Canelo. This is our date now. <laughs> We're doing Noche UFC. We're doing UFC night, Mexico style, every single year on Independence Day weekend. So, a little know, touches just... like bringing in Brandon Moreno into the comms as yeah, well man, and, and, cool and things fuck. like that, man. Yeah, it With was the cool. little logo was cool as fuck, wasn't it? The little Noche UFC logo yeah. and stuff like that. I love even it. The music, I love even the like music that. production yeah. selection, everything like that was wicked, man. The colors of the lights, everything else. Hopefully, next time. The, the, it would have loved, would have nice to see something on the canvas as well. I'd have painted something on the canvas, you know, really give it a proper flavor. Yeah. The problem with the UFC at the moment is the canvas, is the canvas has turned into NASCAR, <laughs> yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. You know, it, it is it is hard on your eyes these days watching UFC because the canvas is just like every inch is covered in advertising at the moment, which takes something away from it. But anyway, well, regardless, it is what it is. But yeah. Yeah, Notche UFC, number one, fucking success. Can't wait for number two. Fazeev's back this weekend, by the way. With Gamrot. I know. No shit. With Gamrot. Fazeev versus Gamrot. It's a fucking brilliant fight. And he shaved his head. Double hard bastard Fazeev. He's back. Can't wait for it. Pair of them. Lunatics. It's going to be some fight, that. Anyway, we'll give you a preview on that later on in the week. Mm-hmm. Also, Fabian Edwards going for Glory in Bellator yes. 2. Uh, that's in Dublin this weekend. So we'll give you a little bit of a preview. Go on, Fab. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for tuning in to us. You can subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com. Go and get stuck in there. Every audio feed under the sun. And we've also uh, got availability for you on YouTube. So please subscribe to us. Thank you very much uh, for subscribing to us and getting us over that 30,000 subscriber mark. We're growing slowly uh, on YouTube. And if you can help us out, that'd be great. Hit the button. 
become a part of it. I have no doubt the comment section is going to be absolutely rife with what is, what isn't a 10-8, who did, who didn't win round number four. But that's the beauty of MMA, man. That's why we're here. We're all fight disciples. Come and have that conversation with us. We want to hear your thoughts uh, and make sure you're doing it whilst you're a subscriber to the channel. Much appreciated. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back later on in the week for the preview of Fiziv against Gamrot. So we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.